This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Last summer, I was hanging out with an old friend, and she had a bunch of girlfriends staying with her. She introduced me to them and said, This is Lily. She's a cancer. The girls all went around and introduced not just their names, but their star signs, and started talking about what they each mean. It was a penny drop moment. I thought, oh, this is a big deal, and I don't know anything about it. I texted my mum to find out the time I was born, and downloaded an app that started to give me daily horoscope readings. From there, I started to find my algorithm was changing. How to manifest a text back from your crush, tarot card readings, how to harness your dark feminine energy. What the hell is dark feminine energy? I soon realized there is a whole new world out there for spirituality, and young women have adopted it, given it a cool girl makeover, and put it in a brand new shiny box, ready to be consumed on social media. But, like with almost every other corner of the internet, there is a dark side, where vulnerable people can be exploited. I'm Lily O'Farrell, aka Volga Drawings, and this is No Worries If Not, a deep dive into women and internet culture. Episode 6, Spirituality. Why do women love it, and when does dabbling in spiritual practices go too far? I am a Leo sun, I am a Capricorn rising, and I'm a Pisces moon. I have to give you the whole big three. This is Eliza Kelly, a professional astrologer. She is the epitome of making spirituality cool again. For a while, Eliza had a recurring slot on Drew Barrymore's chat show where she'd do readings for celebrities. She makes memes and does live streams for her loyal following. When people just give you one sign, Usually they are just referring to their sun sign, which is the position of where the sun was occupying at the moment that they were born. The other two, your moon sign, represents your inner self and how you feel on the inside. Your rising sign is the external self, aka how others perceive you. Elisa's business exists purely online, so she's the perfect person to ask about spirituality's internet renaissance. I started my practice 10 years ago, and at that time, I was making astrology memes. (laughs) I was in my early 20s, and I became very viscerally aware of how malleable astrology is, how it really sort of speaks whatever the language of the zeitgeist is. Elisa thinks astrology changes according to the culture of the time. In the 1970s, people practiced astrology alongside hippie, flower power, Woodstock culture, Now, young people are turning to internet culture, and Eliza is doing it for the girlies, because it's no secret that this content is heavily dominated by women. I think that my following on Instagram is 92% women. (laughs) And why is this? I think that it is more comfortable for women to explore their multidimensionality than it is for men. I think that is more supported and more 
conditioned in society that women look inward and men do not externalize (laughs) or internalize. They only externalize. This makes a lot of sense to me. Women are conditioned to be introspective and we're also taught to really sit on our feelings and the feelings of others, to analyse our relationships, our friendships, our families, to have a woman's intuition, which I think is just like empathy. It's so funny that the phrase a man's intuition doesn't even exist. I think that women are more comfortable with exploring those curiosities. And I think for men, they are a threat. I think that men are very threatened by that internal exploration. I think that men feel very defensive around it. I've met so many men that are snobby about astrology. They roll their eyes and call it stupid, crazy, or say it's not real. This has always bothered me. I wasn't even into astrology, but the way men shrugged it off felt so tied into misogyny. It's like the Taylor Swift effect. When something has a largely female fan base, suddenly it's not worthy of critical respect and men mock it. And I'm not the only one who's noticed this. Elisa said this was a huge problem for her when she was dating in her 20s and having to introduce herself as an astrologer. I mean, if I even had the courage to talk about astrology on a first or second date, you know, I would feel judged, ridiculed, shamed. I felt like I would have to defend myself. I felt like I would have to maybe water it down or justify it. I was greeted with such an aggressive energy that was asking me to prove and legitimize and validate its existence. And it's like, it's been around for thousands of years, guy. <laughs> you know, like, why are you asking me to validate its existence for you? When you compare this to religion, people's responses feel so different. Like these guys who say astrology isn't real, I really doubt that they'd mock someone for being a Christian or Muslim or say, yeah, but God isn't real. As an atheist, when I meet religious people, I always allow them to pursue their beliefs despite the fact that I don't agree. So why are we okay with ridiculing astrology? Is it literally because it's a field dominated by women? One of the arguments men who dislike astrology have is that it's an excuse for someone's actions. Like, a person's star sign can be a cover for a horrible character trait. And to be fair, I see people do this all the time. Like this clip from Keeping Up With The Kardashians, where Courtney excuses Scott for his behaviour. With me, he's, he's fine and amazing, and when he's not with me is whenever we have problems. And that's not, that's not so good. Well, he's a Gemini. Because- but Elisa was in agreement with me on this. Whenever we use something to justify bad behavior, we're not using it properly. If we have certain attributes and qualities within us that are challenging, which we all do, that doesn't mean indulge and lean into them and become more selfish or more opportunistic or more calculated. Elisa said she's over having to explain astrology to men. She does her thing and runs all her sorts of stuff for her 90% female following, like the Constellation Club. The Constellation Club is our virtual community that I founded in 2019. It is a space for anyone who is interested in astrology, tarot, spell work, spirituality, anything metaphysical to come together and learn. 
Something I really like about Aliza's approach is that she says, if you're asking if astrology is real, you're missing the point. She says it's a method we use to understand ourselves and to understand our relationships with others. And I think spending a bit of time looking inwards has got to be a good thing. It really doesn't matter whether the planets are doing whatever they're doing. What matters is that we are having better conversations, that we are going deeper into our own self-discovery, that we are becoming more compassionate, more thoughtful, more conscientious humans in the world. And astrology is a vehicle that helps us get there. If someone asks me to justify astrology, I mean, at this point, I don't. (laughs) You know, I'm like, if if you're asking me that question, like, you're asking the wrong person. This works for me. This works for millions of people. If it doesn't work for you, no problem. Literally. Like, we won't miss you. And then there's the world of tarot. Search tarot readings and you'll find millions of videos on TikTok alone. Usually someone will be talking to the camera, doing a tarot reading, and they'll start with... If you've come across this video, this reading is for you, or your special person is thinking about you, they want you back. But it's not magic that these tarot readers end up on your feed. It's an algorithm. So I feel like my clients are 97% women. (laughs) Women, femmes, and I think even the small percent of male clients that I do have are mostly in the queer community. Then I met Amber, or Amber the Conduit, as she likes to be known. She also does tarot readings. I've been reading tarot since I was 15, so literally 15 years. It was always like a personal practice, and I would read for my family, I would read for my mom, and they would always affirm me. But it wasn't until I found a spiritual mentor who was in African spirituality, and she basically was like, you really have this gift. I want you to read me. And I'm like, girl, I come to you for readings. What do you mean you want me to read you? And I was so shook. And then finally I read her and she was like, no, this is what you're supposed to be doing. At first, spirituality was a private thing for Amber. And that's because it was demonized by others, including her own family. Keep in mind, that's during a time where like, we didn't have TikTok and people were not posting like, pick a card readings or anything like that. It was always something that was sacred and private. And especially like growing up in a black household and just the black community is very much so like churchy. So when it comes to spirituality, they can kind of give you like a little side eye, like that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Amber practices hoodoo, not to be confused with voodoo. Hoodoo was created by enslaved African-Americans in the USA. It takes aspects of various religions practiced in Africa, and it's all about worshipping the homeland. Hoodoo dates all the way back to the 16th century, so the next time someone tries to tell you spirituality is nothing but a social media fad, send them Amber's way. I think there's just a genuine interest to reconnect with our ancestry and reconnect with like the native spiritual beliefs that our ancestors practiced that were once weaponized or once demonized by society. So I think it's very empowering for us to like reclaim that. 
It feels like spirituality online is dominated by young white women. But Amber told me how it's a multi-layered belief system that takes concepts from African and East Asian spirituality, Hinduism, Buddhism, and even indigenous practices. Of course, like my experience has been everything is whitewashed. And especially when it comes to spirituality. And I think having everything online and on social media, on TikTok, kind of takes away some of the sacredness and some of those rules and rights. Amber said that when spirituality moved to social media, it kind of became a free-for-all. Anyone can say anything, like white people co-opting hoodoo. When I, I see hoodoo practitioners on TikTok, white people who claim to be hoodoo practitioners. And although hoodoo is not a religion, it's a practice and it's a closed practice because like I said, hoodoo was birthed as spiritual resistance. Africans were enslaved, so we needed our faith. See, that's what's complicated about spirituality. It can almost be too fluid. There's no president of spirituality and there's no leader or team of people keeping it in line. But even by just existing on social media with this global platform, Amber is teaching others that spirituality is a multicultural thing. It doesn't have one face. And she's not the only one doing this. Introducing the Trap Witch. My name, the Trap Witch, the acronyms are T-R-A-P, Take a Risk and Prosper, W-I-T-C-H, Woman in Total Control of Herself. For me, that name came from, I was a sex worker here in like the underbelly of Atlanta. Okay, so bear with me here, because on one hand, yes, the fact that spirituality is so broad can lead to cultural appropriation, but it also means everyone is welcome. For someone like Tatiana, aka the trap witch, her journey into spirituality wasn't exactly traditional. A lot of people have God come to them in the strip club. They have God come to them in sex work. And I started having my spiritual awakening because it was more about the service and the safe space that I was providing for my clients. And so I found that the bridge between spirituality and sexuality came together for me. And I'm like, no, this makes sense. Something I've noticed when talking to these women is how much their focus is on helping others. It's all about building communities of women who help each other. But I still had so many questions about this world. So who better to speak to about this than a professional skeptic? I think that a skeptic is somebody who simply wants evidence. And the more extraordinary the claim, the more extraordinary the evidence had better be. Deborah Hyde is a writer and anthropologist. It's literally her job to study and question human behaviour. I don't think I'm a cynic. I don't I refuse to believe in anything. But I'd really like to know why people believe things. Deborah looks at why people turn to spirituality and how this has happened throughout history. The thing that independent spirituality and conspiracy theories lack is that top-down standardization of the product. So you can get somebody who is simply very charismatic, simply very good at pushing this theory out, and, and they, will, they will win. Quite a lot of cults and religious movements don't survive past the first generation because they need that charismatic person to push them. Deborah explained to me the difference between something like a church and an online group. 
A church is a big corporate giant that has this top-down enforcement of standards. But if a yoga teacher starts talking about how manifestation got rid of their cancer, it's just them and their following. No quality control. There are, of course, social media policies around misinformation, but as we all know, things can go amiss. And despite being a skeptic, Deborah still faces snobbery for even engaging in this field too. But she thinks spirituality is starting to be taken more seriously by the academic world. I realised that this wasn't a silly, frivolous subject. This is about human beings. They've always come up with creatures like this. That means something. Young people are engaging in non-mainstream beliefs more than ever before. And that means the language we're using is changing too. I asked Deborah how she feels about young women, like Tatiana, identifying as witches. Yeah, I mean, it, the word witch, I, I do find a little bit frustrating, I must admit, because I don't mind what anybody believes and what they do and how many spells they cast in the privacy of their own bedroom. Because I spend a lot of time reading about historical witch trials and they are heartbreaking. So for somebody to use the same word can be a little bit abrasive sometimes. But Deborah also told me how witchcraft has always been about empowerment, especially when women had little to no rights. When women weren't able to do things like own property or have a bank account, this spiritual medium was a way they could assert themselves. Witchcraft was a place where women could come together as a community and feel as though they had some sort of power and agency. We spoke about how people have always turned to spirituality during times of social unrest. And right now, spiritualism is everywhere. I can see a parallel in our modern environment because we still have the psychological needs and yet we're going through a time of great unrest. Climate change really matters. We've had the pandemic and yet there aren't any obvious institutions to turn to, whether those institutions are valid or not. But if everyone was still going to church every Sunday, like they did 60 years ago, then it would be a more obvious place to turn. Whether the church tells you the truth or not, it doesn't matter. The fact is that that's a place to go. So if you have to make it up and you have social media available to you, it's a no-brainer. So how can spirituality exploit people? Well, like we learned from the Alpha Male episode, no one decides to become radicalised, but it can be a slippery slope. I mean, if someone is turning to tarot cards and horoscope readings in a time of crisis, that's not such a bad thing. But it can be a problem when these same methods are used as an alternative to science. I know someone who got really into spirituality and found a community online of like-minded women. But when lockdown hit, her interest became extreme, we already know that women's pain isn't always taken seriously by professionals. And after going through her own experience, she decided that she didn't trust the medical system altogether. Pretty soon, she told me she was against the COVID vaccine. She lives off-grid now and has lost touch with everyone. I told Elisa, our cool astrologer, this story, and it was one she'd heard many times before. 2020 was one of the most stressful years for everyone. <laughs> and for me as an astrologer, it was deeply disturbing. It actually changed my practice. I had to make major adjustments to my work after because of this, of what you're describing. I, I was stunned by what was happening 
so much of it obviously was the creation of what big tech was doing and how they were optimizing the most controversial videos. I think that anti-vax and conspiracy theories crept into lots of industries. But I think that spirituality was so susceptible to it. And there were a lot of people, colleagues of mine, who I would consider anything from an acquaintance to a friend, who started to preach this very, very dangerous conspiracy rhetoric. Since COVID, Elisa has had to cut off more and more people who she thinks are perpetuating negative messages. We can hold science and spirituality at the same time. We have two hands, you know? We don't have to trade one for the other, and we shouldn't. The stakes are too high to play around with this. But women have been using alternative medicine for a long time, like putting crystals in breast milk. Yes, really. So in medieval recipe books, there's a recipe for crystal quartz. This is Marissa Galvez. She's a Stanford scholar in medieval history. If you're having problems lactating, you can grind crystal quartz stone into a powder and add it to breast milk, and that will help the woman with her lactation. Marissa looks at people's fascination with crystals, from ancient civilizations to internet culture. You can also, as an alternative, have someone else who is a nurse mix it into her milk, and then she could supply it to the baby. But this is a very interesting anecdote that I haven't been able to figure out, not let the mother know. I don't know why. It's a secret. (laughs) The reason why crystal was added to breast milk was because they always associated crystal with like fluidity and something that could get things flowing with water. Marissa said something similar to Elisa, the astrologer. When people ask her if crystals work, she's like, you're kind of missing the point. What I say is like, look, you know, any kind of meditation or reflective practice that made you more mindful, I think is a good thing. For some people, it's been externalized to something like crystal where they need to have an object that they found that is theirs that they can focus their energies on or focus their imagination on and they they can meditate. It's like a passport to another world. They feel like it can give them this access to some kind of spiritual, divine, something greater than themselves, but it's also very grounded in the earth. That's what I think is unique to crystals as well. Because now in an age where lots of people don't have religion or they don't, their laps, like whatever religion that they grew up with, with their parents or something, they're looking for something else and a little bit something more than yoga or something. There's a lot of like Gen Z millennials who are not associated with organized religion, but there is a definitely a searching for it. So, we've covered social media, but what about the actual buying and selling of spiritual products online? I was looking for witches and stumbled across, to my shock, the world of Etsy witches. You can pay witches a fiver to cast a spell for you. There's everything from love spells, like get your ex to text you back or break up a couple, to just some bizarre ones like hair growth spells. I told Deborah, our skeptic, what I found. Does she think these women are scam artists? I think the word scam is interesting because it implies that somebody self-consciously knows that what they're doing isn't valid. My experience with professional psychics is that an awful lot of them do truly in their heart believe in their own powers. But the more 
up the scale you go with the charges, the more cynical they're likely to become. And I've met some deeply unpleasant, very wealthy media psychics. So whether it's a scam or not, I really don't know. I certainly know it's illegal. You're not allowed to charge for a product that doesn't exist in this country. In 2015, Etsy said they would prohibit any sales to do with witchcraft, potions, spells and hexes eBay made a similar ban in 2012, but in 2023, you can still find all of these things. I started to reach out to some of these witches on Etsy, asking to speak to them. I had lots of hard no's, and I was terrified a spell was going to be put on me, like I was going to wake up with a tail or something. And then, one of them replied and said yes. Her name is Venus. I do entity and hex removal, so removing any attachments, removing any curses. An entity is essentially a spirit, and a hex is a curse. Venus discovered she had this talent when she was participating in something called an astral projection. Astral projection, just in case anyone doesn't know, is when you purposefully leave your body. You can leave your body and be you know, see yourself from above, or you can leave your body and kind of be in like different realms, I suppose. Venus said it's quite common when you begin astral projection to get entity attachments, and it's happened to her more than once. She took me through all three of her experiences with entities, but the third one was the most strange. It looks like Gollum, from Lord of the Rings, very, very clearly looked like Gollum. And it's interesting because I'm not a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. I don't watch it all the time. I've probably seen it once or twice when I was younger. Now, this is where Deborah, our skeptic, would come in and say, okay, listen, that's just sleep paralysis. It's when you wake up, but you can't move your body or speak, and you can sometimes hallucinate monster-type figures. Sleep paralysis can be pretty scary and feel very real. But removing curses is just one string to Venus's bow. She also casts spells. I remember one spell I did, it was a love spell for my one of my best friends. And it was very interesting because it worked instantly. The next time she saw him, he was all over her. He didn't want to break up with her. He, you know, he was really happy to continue the relationship. And it was so interesting how quickly it worked. Venus started her business in lockdown. At first, it was just a Facebook community, but it quickly grew. I would not be where I am without the internet. I love that I can work online and connect with people of all backgrounds and from all places. Like I work with people from all sorts of countries. Singapore is a big one. You have to know what the client wants. We're working at a distance. So I work with full name, date of birth or full name, address. You know, I have to have something. When we work in person, we connect very closely with the energy. When we work online, we need something. Venus said her love spell is popular, but her best-selling one is the energy cleansing spell. She cleanses people's houses from negative entities, but she also cleanses couples. So sometimes I will cleanse their connection, you know, when they're trying to rebuild their their relationship. My cleanser is definitely my most popular session. And I think that does come with a lot of positive feedback from people. Something else Venus sells is a weight loss spell. I asked her to talk me through how it works. So we have the yellow candle, 
because we're doing solar plexus work to help with any eating, digestive, any eating disorder, anything like that. When Venus says solar plexus, this is a reference to the practice of chakra energy cleansing. It comes from Hinduism and Buddhism. We'll have the symbol carved into it. And then we may have other spell elements around. So are they insecure about their weight? So I have yellow rose petals that I grow in my garden. So I do use herbs and things from my garden as well. And I may use crystals that resonate. I may use a tape measure. So if they have a specific goal for their waist or something. And I continue to burn that candle for nine days. I did ask Venus how she burns a candle for nine days, because that seems like a crazy fire hazard. She said it's not for nine days straight, it's just for a few hours each evening. Venus said she's had lots of success with her spells. One was very interesting. A girl had bought a money spell for her sister and her sister won 25 grand. And I couldn't believe it, but she posted the scratch card up in the review and I have a screenshot of that. Venus seems to have only good intentions, but I took everything she said with a fairly big pinch of salt because I do worry some of these spells could be taking advantage of people who are struggling with low self-esteem or are in a crisis and need money quickly. So I asked Venus outright, do you think what you're doing is exploitative? My job exchanges time for money like everyone else's. You wouldn't ask a doctor to work for free. You know, we're trading time for money and if you don't resonate with it, if you don't believe in it, you don't have to pay for it. Venus makes a good point. This isn't a pyramid scheme. She's not recruiting people and she's also not approaching people. She sets up her shop and leaves them to find her. I'm not trying to convince anyone. I don't go to anyone. People come to me. But Venus didn't deny that exploitation can happen. She told me about a friend who's also a medium and one of her clients was a recently widowed man. He was having regular readings with this medium to speak to his wife who had passed away. It got to the point where he kind of become addicted to getting these mediumship messages because he missed his wife so much. The medium felt like it was going too far and pulled back a bit. So the medium who I was friends with, eventually she said, OK, you've had free readings with me, you've had free uh, messages, I'm not going to do this anymore. You have to heal, you have to find your own way. She is gone, unfortunately. If you do this forever, you're kind of in like a cycle. And she, it was exploitative then to take money off him when she knew that. Venus said her friend eventually cut him off. But who's to say that he didn't just move on to a different medium who would have continued to exploit him? I just hope that vulnerable people like this man are in the hands of someone with a bit of compassion and a conscience. There are moments in my conversations with these women where I wonder if their beliefs in spirituality did go too far. Amber the Conduit talked about a relative having cancer in his neck and how she believed that it was related to him bottling things up and not being good at communication. She said this was the cause of his cancer. And he was completely healthy, by the way, like athlete, completely healthy, nothing was wrong with him. And it was even confirmed in a reading that I did that a blocked throat chakra is kind of what became the catalyst for the cancer. So here's the thing. Who am I to say what caused this man's illness? That is not my place. And it's also not my place to tell Amber how to grieve the loss of a loved one. 
When we go through devastating moments in life, we grab onto explanations that help us get through it. But my worry is, where do you draw the line? When do spiritual practices start to replace science and medicine? Is it possible to do both? Like Eliza said, you have two hands, hold spirituality in one and science in the other, right? If energy cleansing and praying over crystals helps you, then go for it. But this shouldn't be a replacement for medical treatment. Spiritual practices might help you process something difficult mentally, but we also have vaccines, chemotherapy, and medication. So my advice is this. Dress in the witchy aesthetic like Stevie Nicks if it makes you feel good. Light your candles and line up your crystals. Maybe even check your crush's horoscope. But treat it like an add-on, not a replacement. There is a reason we're not feeding babies crushed up crystal anymore. Spirituality should be fun, that's all I'm saying. And when you see a spiritual girly pop up on your TikTok feed, telling you poor manifesting is why you lost that job, you've probably been on your phone for too long. Put it down and go outside. Thanks for listening to No Worries If Not. Special thanks to Eliza Kelly, Amber the Conduit, Tatiana, aka the Trap Witch, Deborah Hyde, Marissa Galvez, and Venus. This is a Curly Media production.